Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Bites of History. I like the little Halloween introductions. <laughs> I feel sexy and cool. Hi guys, welcome back to Bites of History with Irene Walton. I am, of course, your host, Irene Walton. I am so excited to have you here this week, especially because I didn't get to tell you what we were doing last week because I didn't know. <laughs> but oh my gosh, this is going to be a kooky episode. It is. Let's just put like a little trigger warning, a little disclaim right up top. It's a bit of a heavier episode. We're talking about some darker themes and some very interesting lighter themes, but they're interspersed with very dark themes. So if you do not like hearing about true crime and serial killers, <laughs> I was going to try to think of a nicer word, but they don't deserve a nicer word. This might not be the episode for you. I also I have an episode about, you know, Chef Boyardee you might like, but which you should listen to anyway. It's a good episode. <laughs> Today, we are talking about the World's Fair of 1893 in Chicago. We're talking about the foods that came out of it and the horror that was going on during it. <laughs> Have you ever wondered how it made it to your table? Have you ever wondered how it made it to your shelf? If you love food, then this is the show for you. Bites of History with Irene. We're going to get into that. But of course, first, we want to thank our patrons. Thank you guys so much for joining the Patreon. I've had a lot of new people come in and join. It means so much to me. It's such a beautiful show of support. I also totally understand if it's not in your budget right now, that is not a problem. I really, really appreciate it if you do join. And I really, really appreciate even if you're watching or even if you just checked the Patreon out and you went to the page, it means a lot to me. So just know that your support is appreciated regardless of if you're in the Patreon or not. But if you do want to join, it's only $2 to hop into that little family. And it's a it's a really nice time. So thank you to all my patrons. And of course, you guys, we are going to thank our sources, obviously. Thank you to money.cnn.com, history.com, architecture.org, seriouseats.com, wikipedia.org, npr.org, smithsonianmag.com, and ozzy.com. Thank you to the sources. We couldn't do this video without you guys. So I really appreciate it. Whew. Okay. This episode is pretty intense. So just keep that in mind. For anyone who is a true crime fan, you know exactly what I'm going to be talking about when I bring up the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago. And if you don't, the reason that I'm building this up so much is because this is where we are introduced to America's first serial killer, H.H. Holmes. So we are going to first establish the World's Fair and H.H. Holmes himself. I did think it was time we talked a little bit more in depth about the World's Fair because it's where so much of the culture and the food that we know today in the United States of America comes from. So I felt like it was pretty important to discuss. It was also known as the World's Columbian Exposition because it was celebrating the 400th anniversary of Columbus coming to the Americas. So the fair takes place in Chicago, Illinois, and it was a huge thing for Chicago to win the World's Fair being uh, like being there, being placed there, exhibiting there, whatever. However, you should say that it was a really big deal because they knew it was going to draw a ton of, you know, economy stimulation and just excitement about Chicago. And, you know, what city didn't want that? So Chicago builds a whole city. We're going to get into the dimensions and what was created for the fair in just a minute. But 
this was a gigantic deal and it was a gigantic festival. It wasn't like your normal street fair that was going to be, you know, running from Friday to Sunday. This was a six month affair that was starting on May 1st and ending on October 30th. More than 27 million people, which was half of the United States population at the time, would attend this fair. This was such an event. Like it was, I can't even compare it to anything that would happen now because it was so, so, so huge and universal. Now we did already discuss the fair a little bit when we talked in our Hershey episode because that's where Hershey discovered his love of chocolate. So we touched on it a bit in that episode and we'll touch on it again when we dive into the ice cream cone controversy because that's also apparently a food that came from the World's Fair, but it also apparently didn't. There's a lot of stuff around that. So we'll have a whole episode on the ice cream cone controversy, but we'll mention the World's Fair in that one too. But I just thought that this episode dedicated to the World's Fair would be perfect because it's pretty spooky. Now, H.H. Holmes born Herman Webster Mudgett is a really terrible guy. The reason he wound up in Chicago is because all of the insurance scams and skeleton scams, it was a really big thing in the 1800s to dig up skeletons from graveyards. This is so sad. Um, and sell them to medical schools because medical schools paid a lot for human skeletons to like articulate and have in the rooms and use as, you know, like demonstration, which is a hundred percent like great and necessary. I don't know if they need to be real skeletons, but I don't know if they are anymore, actually. It was a really big thing. So, you know, some terrible people took advantage of that and would dig up, you know, passed away people and get their skeleton out, put the casket back in and then just cover it back up because, who you know, who's going to go looking and sell them to medical schools. So uh, H.H. Holmes was one of those people who did that. And he also had a lot of insurance scams where he would have people fall in love with him and then he would kill them and then he would collect the insurance money after they had put the insurance in his name. He was a horrible, terrible guy. And he wound up in Chicago. Now, there was one thing that H.H. H. Holmes and the World's Fair had in common. They were both creating very intense structures, one for culture and economy stimulation and joy and excitement and one which was a horrorous murder castle, which is what it was coined, which is an insane name to coin something, the murder castle. But that's what it was. Now, the reason that Holmes was building his castle was because he wanted to lure young women in who were coming to the World's Fair with a promise of a job or just to visit, or maybe they were moving to Chicago separately and were going to be at the fair, whatever. He knew that there were going to be a lot of young women coming through Chicago. So he builds this castle with very cheap like rent, because remember, the fair is going to be like six months long. Some people are working at it. Some people just go to experience it, whatever. But either way, they need somewhere to stay. So Holmes took major advantage of this. We'll get to his castle in a little bit. But for right now, I want to tell you just like the intensity that was the World's Fair and all of the structures that were in it. So it was 690 acres. So this was 1.7 square miles. This was its own little city. That's They call it the White City for a reason. There are 200 new and deliberately temporary buildings built, you know, um, expo halls and dining tents and things like that. So 200 new structures built. 46 nations participated. Now, it was nicknamed the White City because all of the buildings that were created for it, the temporary 
buildings were covered in this thing called white staff, which was like an artificial stone covering for the buildings. So it's this giant sprawling city of white buildings, thusly the white city. And Westinghouse actually powered the whole event with the alternating current electricity that we all use today, which set a whole new standard for electricity in America. It was... This, I mean, I can't even imagine what it was like to be in 1893 and go to this fair and it's food from countries you've never heard of and, and, uh, you know, entertainment you've never seen or could never dream of. It's huge. It's white. It's, oh my God. It, I mean, it must've been, I truly can't think of something that would be of a similar gravity now. So anyway, that's, that's what we're talking. That's how intense we're talking. Now, alternatively, H.H. Holmes was building a horrifying hellscape of a of a castle his own building uh which he was able to afford because of all the insurance scams he had run all of the horrible things he had done i don't think this man ever worked an honest day in his life um and even just the building that it was in he had because he had taken advantage of somebody who owned the pharmacy in the bottom of the building, you guys know how sometimes like, a you know, an apartment building will have like a store at the bottom. So this pharmacy was at the bottom and he befriended or like bewitched the owner who was a woman whose husband had passed away or was passing away. And then he did pass away. And then as soon as the husband passed away, H.H. H. Holmes killed the woman after she had put the pharmacy and all of her fortune in his name. Now, if you're wondering why is this a murder cat, like what made this so crazy and weird and kooky was kooky is not a good word for that. We're talking about a murderer. I'm sorry. One of the reasons that this place was so intense and crazy and scary and horrifying was because H.H. Holmes would hire contractors for just a little bit of time before he fired them. And many of them he never paid because he sucks. Um, He would hire them to like build a crematorium in the bottom of the building or in the basement or whatever. And then he would fire them so that they didn't catch on to the idea. Then he would hire a new contractor to build soundproof rooms with doors that only locked from the outside. And he would fire them right away so that they didn't catch on. So he's doing all of these things very sketchily. So it's like this very weirdly um, built building that nobody really understands. Like when they ended up tearing it down, they were like, this is fucking insane. Of course, nobody would have built this just on their own. Like nobody would have allowed this man to build this without going to the authorities. The way in which he did it, where he hired and fired so many different people, nobody, you know, got the, saw the big picture. So they didn't like tell on him. I wanted to just like establish how freaking scary it was that this horrible man was just like taking advantage of, poor young women who were, you know, newly independent and just like excited to be at the fair. And it's crazy the juxtaposition of these two things because it's like, oh my God, this is where we, you know, like find chocolate in America for the first time. And also this horrible person is like digging up skeletons and selling them. It's crazy. But let's take a break from the scary stuff and talk about all the cool food that the fair provided. You guys already know that Hershey was there and like a a lot of big stuff happened for him at the fair. But we're also going to talk about Mr. Henry J. Hines because this man, this man dominated the World's Fair of 1893. I will tell you what, he was so brilliant. 
Also, just separately, I cannot freaking imagine how hard it must have been to plan this whole affair. Like, how long ahead of time were they doing this? That's crazy. Like, there's somebody has to be like, oh, this guy's going to go here. This guy's going to go here. That's insane. Anyway, whoever was planning that, put Henry J. Hines, Hines, the food, the ketchup, but at the time they were doing a lot of other things too, which they still do. But whoever was planning, put Henry J. Hines, they put him on the second floor, tucked away in a corner of the agricultural building where people are talking about like farming techniques from France. They're like, yeah, throw Henry J. Hines there too. Weird. And while most people would have been like, oh, that's literally so annoying. I hate you. Henry J. Hines wasn't upset that he got put in this place at all. Henry J. Hines said, you know what? That's actually chill as hell. I'm going to hire these local boys to drop these tickets all over the fair. And the ticket said, finder will receive a souvenir at the Heinz booth. Obviously, everybody went rushing to the Heinz booth. They're getting a free souvenir, a free prize, a little trinket. They don't know. It just says they're getting something for free. So whoever picked up these tickets were so excited. So they rush to the agricultural building. They go up to the second floor, completely bypassing everything else. And they find Heinz and they get their little prize. And the prize was a cute little uh, pickle charm. It was like it like what I I would compare it to a keychain. Um, and it was a cute little you know, green pickle, I think it was like that big and probably, you know, a couple inches if you're listening. And it just said Heinz on it. it, had a little ring for you to put, you know, a string through or whatever. And, uh, people were stoked about it. This actually later becomes a thing, the pickle pin, but we'll get into that in the Heinz episode. And, oh my gosh, you guys, this, this, these kind of like little anecdotes kill me. I love this stuff. Heinz drew so much traffic with these little free souvenirs that he was giving out that the first floor of the agricultural building tried to sue Heinz for unfair competition. And the second floor of the agricultural building threw Heinz a gala dinner honoring him because of all of the foot traffic that they got because of his brilliant idea. I love that story. <laughs> Oh my gosh. See, that's just so smart. He was like, okay, great. Put me up here. Perfect. I don't care. I'm still going to crush it. Oh, icon. Heinz also offered like really cool samples and like they were, you know, giving people like tastes of the food. And they also just had like cool stuff. Apparently their booth just like had a bunch of cool antiques and stuff and people just really liked it. Okay. So our next little food factoid from the fair which is fun to say. Say that with me. Food factoid from the fair. Our next little thing. Uh, if you've ever played beer pong, I'm sure you are familiar with our next product. PBR was also quite the name at the World's Fair in 1893. Pabst Blue Ribbon was actually originally created by a steamboat captain named Frederick Pabst. And it was originally called Pabst Best Select. So PBS instead. There's a lot of controversy around where this blue ribbon came from. But the actual timeline is that Pabst had a blue ribbon going into the fair. Now, here's what happened. Pabst was we, we have to do a whole episode on Pabst and like beer in America because it, it's a really interesting story, especially the fact that it was like in the Midwest. Super, super unique, cool story. We'll dive into one day. So. Pabst was one of the biggest beers in America at the time, and PBR had won a lot of blue ribbons in other fairs before. So, of course, when, you know, it's offered that there's like a beer judging competition at the World's Fair of 1893, obviously Pabst is going to go and, you know, put themselves in the contest, as does Budweiser and as do a couple other beers. Now, 
since beer was not readily available at the World's Fair, like for public consumption, you had to go to specific, like basically what we would know as a beer garden. It was already a little more regulated. However, the judging was not. It was a very weird judging system that should have been based on like clarity and purity and taste and, you know, bubbles or whatever. The judges kind of just like went off the rails and instead gave everybody who got 80 points or higher a bronze medal. There was no gold. There was no silver. There was no blue ribbon. There was no red red ribbon. (laughs) Um, They just gave everybody a bronze. So like technically Paps did not win a blue ribbon at the World's Fair, but a lot of the judges said that Paps was the best one. So when you see on the can, I don't know if it's still on there. So when you see on the can, you know, Paps Blue Ribbon chosen America's favorite in 1893, it sort of technically was and it sort of technically was not. But Paps had won blue ribbons before. So what ended up happening was after the fair, um, Frederick Paps started putting bl- blue silk ribbon around the literal bottle of beer because they didn't used to have cans of beer. Um, all the way back then, they either had embossed bottles with their name or, you know, they would stick the name on. But by adding this blue ribbon to the beer bottles, it became incredibly recognizable, so much so that people in bars and saloons and whatever would just say, oh, give me the one with the blue ribbon. So that's why it changed from Paps Best Select to Paps Blue Ribbon. So that's how we get our Paps Blue Ribbon title. Maybe they won the blue ribbon at the World's Fair. Maybe they didn't. Who's to say? But all I know is that I will still get a PBR. Now, our last fun little food factoid from the fair is... Cracker Jack. Okay. Do you guys like Cracker Jack? I feel like I always forget it exists. And then when I have it, I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. I know my mom likes Cracker Jack a lot. Um, so if you don't know, Cracker Jack is, you know, really it's like caramel corn and peanuts, but it got established at the fair. And it's so, the story is so cool and cute and interesting. So for those of you who may not know, there was a giant fire in Chicago in 1872. It truly changed the history of Chicago forever. And the way that they went about things, even now, like you can see it in the architecture, like there's these and there's fire escapes all over the city um, because they're very rightfully so afraid of fire because they had this huge one in 1872. And a lot of people came to help with the fire effort, like cleaning up and everything afterwards. And one of those people was a German immigrant named Frederick Fr- or known as Fritz Ruckheim, I believe is how you pronounce it. He came to help with the fire and then he stayed in Chicago and ended up selling popcorn out of a push cart. Much like Hershey sold his caramels out of a push cart, Fritz sold his popcorn out of one. Him and his brother started playing around with popcorn because he was selling so much of it. And they came up with this molasses flavored caramel covered popcorn uh, and they added peanuts to it. And very adorably, they called it candied popcorn and peanuts until a customer had like came by and had some one day and said, wow, that's a real cracker, Jack. Because I think people used to just call each other Jack instead of like, hey, man, what's up? Like, hey, Jack. Um, And so that's where we get the name Cracker Jack, which I think is so cute. So that's where we get Cracker Jack. And he started selling them at the World's Fair and they just blew up. Everybody fell in love with Cracker Jack. And that's how we have one of our tasty American treats. Yum. I guess it's a German treat, but it's from America. So there you go. (laughs) We're now going to cover the end of the World's Fair. And thank 
goodness, the end of H.H. Holmes existing. So the fair was scheduled to end October 30th, 1893. And of course, like this big, huge, gigantic event was going to have like closing ceremonies and some fun stuff that was happening. It was going to be like a joyous, bittersweet occasion, you know. But uh, unfortunately, the mayor at the time, Carter Harrison III, was assassinated two days before uh, the fair was scheduled to end, which was uh, October 28th, 1893. He was, the the assassination had nothing to do with Holmes. It was this guy named Eugene, what was it? He has like the oldest 1893 name I've ever heard in my life. Eugene Patrick Pendergast um, went into the mayor's home and assassinated him, which I think was very sad because it seemed like people really liked the mayor. So the closing ceremonies obviously were dampened and it wasn't like this big ending celebration that they thought it was going to be. But it did end, you know, the World's Fair had to end. And thank goodness, so did Holmes's horrible spree. And I'm sure that he wasn't upset about the commotion of the mayor being assassinated because this sort of allowed him to like slink out of Chicago almost scot-free. Before he did, though, this is so sad. Before he did, he had sold some of the remains of his victims to Chicago medical schools. You know, this was a pretty normal thing at the time. So the medical schools weren't tipped off that this was some like crazy guy selling the skeletons of people that he had murdered. Um, They just took them because they needed them. And they said, "Okay, great. However, Holmes does eventually get caught after he leaves Chicago. Obviously, he's trying to like, you know, leave the scene of his horrible crimes. He gets caught in Boston from another insurance scam. Uh, Like I told you guys before, he was known for having women fall in love with him, getting the the life insurance put in his name, killing the women, collecting the money and moving on. And he did this again in Boston. But when he did this time, he got caught. Thank goodness. This led the police uh, who caught him to look further into him. And it turns out that there was quite a large suspicion that he had killed his assistant who had been helping him and working with him in Chicago, not with the actual murders, but like like the business stuff, like running the pharmacy and things like that. And he did. He had killed him. And very very sad. I mean, all of it's sad, but very sadly, his two children as well. And so he is finally found guilty for all of these horrible, horrible crimes. He actually confesses to over 200 murders, but it is also suspected that there might be as few. I mean, it sounds dumb to say as few, but it it's suspected that there might only be nine people that he murdered. There's no way to be sure how many victims he had, but he said 200. And uh, he was quoted as saying, oh, this is really scary. (sighs) Happy Halloween. Uh, He was quoted as saying, I was born with the devil in me. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer. No more than a poet can help the inspiration to sing. He was executed by hanging on May 7th, 1896. And I just, I feel really, it it really does break my heart to imagine, you know, all these poor women, poor people. He killed more he killed everybody. He didn't discriminate. But just these poor women who like wanted to go to the fair and like get a freaking job for the first time. And, you know, unfortunately, just like picked the wrong place to stay. But we also got Hershey's chocolate. So the fair was, you know, <laughs> no, it's it's obviously a heartbreaking thing. But I just think it was so crazy that while so much important American history was happening and being created, like, Also, right under all of that, this really scary thing was happening. If you guys want to learn more about this, The Devil in the White City, this book, is 
an insane book. I wish I was more of a reader. I really do. I think it's such a cool, sexy thing to like read. This is one of the books I've read that like I could not put down. It was absolutely sensational. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. That was kind of an intense episode. I think it's probably going to be a little longer than most of them, but you guys, thank you so much for listening. I need a little bit of a palate cleanser from the spooky stuff. So (laughs) next week we are going to be closing out October with the history of organic Valley, which I think you guys know how important it is to me and how much I love that company. So this is really, really exciting. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned for that because that story is freaking crazy too. Guys, all this history is just like hiding right under our little noses. And it's really fun to learn about. So thank you for learning about it with me and taking an interest just like I do. Uh, Please make sure that you check out the Patreon. We have a lot of fun on there. And again, it is only $2. Uh, There's, of course, a link in my description to check that out. And I would love if you guys liked, comment, and subscribed. That really helps my video. It pushes it out to more people so we can have other little food history lovers joining our community. I hope you guys have the best day. I hope you're staying safe and drinking lots of water. Oh, make sure you tell me what you learned from this episode. Leave it in the comments below because there was some stuff while I was researching this that I was truly shocked and fascinated by. I love you guys so much. Have a great day and I'll talk to you soon.